And we'll continue with the reading and preaching of the Word of God. Um, we're continuing our, our vision series, um, or our values series that we began last Sunday, uh, looking at close growth today. I'd like to invite Natalie to read the passage for us. Today's reading is from Acts 2, 32 to 47. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about three thousand were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The word of the Lord. So we are continuing in a sermon series looking at our values. Last Sunday, we looked at stable growth, and today we're looking at close growth. So we're thinking about community together today. As we look at this passage, I'd like to look at it with two questions. First, what is community? What is Christian community, that is to say? And second, how do we live in Christian community? I mean, how do we... How do we live, how do we grow in, in close proximity together? So first question, what is Christian community? What holds us together? Ear Hustle is the name of a podcast um, that's been awarded and recognized. It was produced out of San Quentin Prison in the United States in California. And each episode of Ear Hustle takes you inside the prison and it tells stories about life inside. Season one, one of the episodes is about race relations. The whole prison culture, um, to this day, is segregated. Segregated, that's, that's, that's through voluntary uh, patterns, that's through structural patterns, to working together. Segregated, absolutely. But there is a place in prison that's racially mixed. Uh, there's a place that... Race doesn't matter. What group is that, would you think? Would you imagine? What, what group is that? It's the group of people who play fantasy games. 
who play Magic the Gathering and Dungeons and Dragons. That's where you see the groups mix together. In a podcast interview, um, a guy named Mesro, who's like a ringleader in this group, he says this. He says, you might see in the yard four black guys, two Asians, a couple of white guys, a couple of Middle Eastern, and we're there hamming it up. I'm the dungeon master, usually. I like to make the voices. We're just getting our game on. We're having a good old time, he says, in the yard. This mixed table in the middle with our, 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 our around it, total segregation, but it's right there in the middle in the yard. In the sight of everyone is this mixed group. Now, I think what you hear in that is the power of storytelling. There is a kind of storytelling that has a power to overcome hard barriers and, and bring people together, draw people together. It's got a magnetic power. And fantasy games are, are all about storytelling, of course. And not just storytelling, but actually story participating as well, because that's the whole point. You actually take on a character, right? You, you, you enter the story, you live, you act out the drama together, and that is what's going on in this passage. I want to make the case for that as we look at it, okay? That's what we see here. The gospel is a powerful story that draws people into it and creates a new community, a diverse community. This passage begins with the apostle Peter. Uh, he's preaching to a large crowd of people, and this is the climax, uh, what we heard read a few moments ago, Peter declares in verse 32, he says, God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses. We, the apostles, we are witnesses of it. Verse 36, he says, God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, Lord and Messiah. According to Peter, you don't need to be a Roman soldier to be culpable for Jesus' death. Because if Jesus died for the sins of the world, that means that we are all culpable for his death. We are all implicated. We all share in the sin of the world. That whole crowd of some 3,000 people and us today. So then what happens? Peter calls them to repent. This big crowd of people, and they do. There's a mass response and repentance that that word repent that means like a genuine contrition genuine remorse over wrongdoing they're cut to the heart you see that in the passage it says and they and they turn away from sin they turn to jesus as the the lord and messiah the risen lord they receive forgiveness in his name verse 41 those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Now, this crowd, who is this, this crowd of people? They're all Jewish, but they're also diverse at the same time. Because this crowd of Jewish people are from across the whole Jewish diaspora, and they've converged in Jerusalem for this feast of Pentecost across from the whole Mediterranean world. So this crowd of people, they look different among them. They have different accents. 
They come from different cultures. They have different native languages. They're diverse, and they're all drawn together to this figure of Jesus Christ and hearing the message about him. So to the question, what is Christian community? It's here. You, you, you see it here in the passage we're looking at. It's a, it, it is the community of diverse people drawn to the story of the risen Jesus and who enter into that story, who like enter into the role play, as it were. They enter it by repenting of their sin and by receiving baptism in his name, receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit in his name. Now, that's the nature of Christian community, okay? That's at the heart. And we need to hear this. We need to be reminded of this because the real danger is that we make community in our church about something else, some other core of what unites us. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a a German pastor and theologian in the 1930s and 40s, and he makes this provocative statement. He says, the person who loves their dream of community will destroy community. The person who loves their dream of community will destroy community. And that's interesting he uses that word dream. What's a dream? A dream is something that you, that you want, an idea that you, that you cherish and it's not fulfilled, but you, you seek after that thing, you desire that thing. Bonhoeffer is saying that it is possible to dream of a, of a kind of community experience, to value that, to seek after that, and, and in the process to destroy a community, actually. For example, it's possible to dream of a kind of uh, Grace West community as like a community spa, okay? Um, a spa experience. I've, I've, I've been to the spa before. I have to say, it's very nice. I, I enjoyed myself. Uh, love it. You, you, you get your, your white bathrobe, right? You bring your book or whatever. You, um, it's a beautiful setting, of course. Maybe you get the massage deal, maybe. Uh, you get the steam room, the sauna, the different temperature pools, and right? You're there with someone you like who likes you, hopefully. Um, what you don't get at the spa, what you never get at the spa, is anyone making a demand on you? No one is going to like come up to you and disclose some, some difficult personal problem. No one is going to inconvenience you. It's the spa. That's the whole point. That's the point. I'm, right, you get it. Now, it's possible, it's possible to dream that your church community will be a relationship spa with a relational massage from time to time, and a fellowship steam room, and no one makes any demands on you. No one has any problems around you, surrounded by attractive, put-together people, right? It's possible to dream of church community in that way. And that dream will destroy community. It will. It will destroy diversity. The spa is not very diverse. Have you noticed that? Do you know that about the spa? Who is at the spa, right? There is a definite socioeconomic group that's at the spa. That's who's there. 
that group and not other groups. That's who's there. And if we're dreaming of a spa church, then we're going to welcome certain kinds of people and we're going to push other people away. Other groups of people. As if, um, can't you see I'm trying to relax here? Right? Think that in our minds and our hearts. Grace West, don't we want something better than that? I'm sure that Jesus appreciated good relationships. I'm sure he did. But that's not why he came. He came to bear people's burdens. He came to carry their problems and their pain and their failures his whole life long and at the climax on the cross. Bearing sin, bearing our sins. Praise God. That's why any of us is here. Right? Because he did that. Because he values that. In light of Jesus, will we not bear the burdens of our brothers and sisters? Will we not, like, inhale the secondhand smoke of people's problems around us and their pain and problems? May we do so. And may our lives show in that that we are a true gospel community, living inside the gospel story, where we turn away from selfishness and we look to Jesus together and we value his values. Second point, or second question, how do we live in Christian community? Now at the spa church, everything is comfortable, right? Everything, all the relationships are easy, you're basically a complete person enjoying a good experience. Devoted to relaxation, I guess. I don't, devoted to what? And fill in the blank there. Um, okay, the gospel church is very different from that. It's very different. The gospel church is made up of sinful people who are forgiven and devoted to fellowship, that word in verse 42, devoted to fellowship. Going back to the yard at San Quentin Prison, picture in your mind the group gathered around the table, Asians and black people and white people, Middle Easterns, Latin American. It's the only mixed group in the whole yard, and everyone at the table has been convicted of crimes and they're enjoying themselves at that table together, in the story together. They're immersed in the story. And compared to the spa, that image in the yard at San Quentin Prison, that's an image of Christian community. Convicted people, diverse people, living in a new story with a new identity, a new character. And they're devoted. That, that, that's, that's the key word in verse 42. Again, devoted, it means this, to give constant attention to a thing, to continue steadfast, to focus. Now, why the devotion? Why, why, why devoted? Why, why so powerfully devoted? 
I think if you asked any of those, those guys at that table in the prison yard, um, the gamers group, that group is probably the best thing they have going in their day-to-day, in their week-to-week. Listen again to the podcast interview. This is what the, the leader of this group says. He says, even though we're in prison and it sucks, but we have more freedom hanging out with people we want to hang out with. We're there hamming it up. We're getting our game on. We're just having a good old time. Now, here's, here's a challenging question that I want to ask. For the gamers in prison, living in the story is the best thing they have going. For the Jerusalem church, living in the story with Jesus Christ as their king, living in the story, that's the best thing that they have going. And what about us? Grace West, what about us? Is living in the kingdom of Jesus Christ, living in his story, is that the best thing that we have going? I believe it is, in fact, the best thing that we have going. In fact, the reality, yes. But there's often a gap in our hearts, right? Our desires are not aligned often with that truth that this is the best thing that we have going. Our desires, and I, okay, I can speak just for myself even, our desires are like scattered on all kinds of different things, unfocused. The truth is you can be devoted to all kinds of different things, many different things. Uh, You can be devoted to your job, for example. But ask yourself, does your job love you back? Is Is your job, like, committed to you the way that maybe you're committed to your job? Does it love you back? You, you can be devoted to a relationship. You could be devoted uh, or to your family, but what guarantee do you have that that person or those little people are going to love you back in a way that meets and equals your, your love? There's no guarantee. Or you, you can be devoted to an interest, to a cause, and on and on all kinds of other things, among many things, many things. Jesus Christ is the only one you can be devoted to and guaranteed he will equal and far exceed your devotion. He loves you back. (laughs) He loves you back. Listen, this is from Revelation chapter 1. Jesus is the one who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. So here's what we see. First, devotion grows when you realize, when, when, when you see Jesus and you realize his devotion to you. In the heart that seizes you, you realize that. The heart is the driver. That's how devotion is birthed and grows. Second, Um, Devotion is practical. Look at verses 42 to 47. Look at what the people are doing. Devoted to fellowship. And that means that they're 
together often, and and they and they share possessions. They care for the needy among them. They're sharing meals together. Now that's unusual, both then and now, for a kind of group to live that way. That's unusual. Um, even more strange, consider this: that most of this church described in verses forty-two to forty-seven. Most of this church um, were part of that crowd of 3,000 people. Hands up if you're a newcomer and like every hand, (laughs) the whole, everyone, every hand goes up. They didn't know each other. Not at first. They didn't, but they get to know each other. I believe that's the practical action that's, that's underlying every other kind of practical thing going on in this picture in front of us. All, all the sharing needs, the caring for each other, the meals together, underneath that, there was a desire in their hearts to, to know each other and to be known by each other. Outside the church, outside the church, there are boundary lines that um, dictate and, and that kind of delineate who you move towards and um, the kind, the kind of people that you, you, you walk towards, that you approach, that you, you, you seek to know, that you build connection with, there's boundary lines, such as life stage, appearance, native language, culture, socioeconomic group, and so on. Those boundary lines uh, mean that you move towards certain people and not to others. Grace West, let's in, okay, that's out there. In here, Grace West, in our church community, let's break down boundary lines. Let's do that. Let's do that together. And let's do it more. Consider, I invite you to consider this. Consider who, who do you move towards after the service is finished, okay? Most of us don't like hightail it out of here. You're, you're going to spend some time after the service is done. Consider who do you move towards? Um, is it someone mostly like yourself in maybe in life stage or in appearance or in, in culture and so on? Now that makes sense. I get it. I totally get it. Yes. Um, but let's grow in this value, close growth, diverse fellowship. Let's grow more and more. And I'm not talking about a rule, okay? A rule means that you have to do that um, in every, all the time, in, in the same way. All the, no, this is not a rule, right? Um, it's a value, which simply means that uh, this is important to us. And as a, in, in the general course of things, we want to we act in this way together. Let's value more and more breaking down barriers in our community. So... So, um, and it doesn't just start when the service is, is done. Come to church praying that the Lord will break down barriers here. And, and think of the people who sit around you. you. You probably sit in roughly a similar place most Sundays. Think of the people who sit around you. Um, think of the people in your small group. Think of people who are, who are perhaps different from you in life stage or cultural background, or so on and so on, all these differences. Let's get curious about people. 
you, you, you have a powerful instinct for curiosity, which we, we, we and, and because we spend so much time in the general culture where these boundaries are hard and fast, that curiosity gets kind of stifled. It does. But let's move in the other direction in, in, in our church community. Now, confession, I'm not good at small talk. I have average social intelligence. I'm a bit of an awkward person. Maybe you <laughs> um, have noticed that. Okay, maybe you feel the same way as me. Okay, not great at small talk. I get it. Yes, I do. And I want to say, I want to ask this. Do you know what's on the other side of small talk? All the good stuff. All of it. It's all there on the other side of small talk. Okay, I'm talking about, um, like, what's your story, you know? And, and, and what's good? What's good these days? What are, you, what are you thankful for? What else? What's hard? And what is, what's, the, what's the Lord doing in your life in this season right now? And uh, what do you, as you, as you go deeper, deeper, as you get to know someone over, over weeks and seasons and so on, you can get to the point where you, you, you're asking questions like, um, what do you see in Jesus that draws you? I'm just curious. But because, because we're different from, from like different backgrounds and, and, and so on, I'm curious. I know what I like about him, but what about you? That's a good question. How can I pray for you? That's a good question. It's not easy to reach across lines and, and like move in that direction, right? It's not easy. But the truth is here, we have to see this. You're not alone. You're not left, I mean, with like your own resources to try and muster this kind of thing. In the role play game, Jesus has given you a new character. You have a new character to play in the role play, as it were, at the table. If you believe in Jesus, if you look to him as your savior, he has given you a new character. Um, it feels unnatural, uh, maybe. I don't know if you've played Dungeons and Dragons before. Um, maybe not. If it, it, it feels kind of unnatural when you're, you're like you're trying this out for the <laughs> for the first time. Um, I've done this. Okay, it feels unnatural. It does. Um, but but okay. In the story of Jesus Christ, He's given you a new character, and it doesn't matter if it feels unnatural. That is your true character. It's your true character. It's yours. He's given it to you. Lean in. Like, put on the accent, right? Let's ham it up. Let's have a good old time together, okay? This is what he's given to you. It's, it's, it's your role. It's your role to play. It's yours. Embrace it. And this, and consider that Jesus Christ loves people who are different from him. Very different. At one point, he said to a group of people listening, he said, I have other sheep. I have other sheep that are not in this sheep pen. I must gather them also. The Gentiles, the nations, people of every tribe and language. Jesus, he didn't say, I want to gather them. He said, I must gather them. Zealous. 
that people of many nations will come into his great sheepfold. And that is why any of us is here. Praise God for that. Praise God. Grace West, let's value what he values and let this church be a church that breaks down barriers in his name at the table. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you raised Jesus to life. We thank you for the apostles' teaching that they bore witness to this. They laid down their lives also to bear witness. And this is why any of us is here. We pray, Lord, that as, as you have and you are writing this grand story in human history with human lives, we pray that we will embrace the story uh, and enter into it more and more, lean in to the, to, the, to the characters that you've given to us, and may we, Lord, be a diverse gathering at the table, having a good old time together. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.